0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm. I am your host, Scott Dr. GX Wilfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the First Guide of Funk. Whether you're watching to the video version on funkandstift.net or YouTube for other uh, providers or listening to the audio podcast version, as always, I thank you very much for your continued interest and support. Today, I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm mothership, bassist, singer, composer, Charles Glenn. A founding member of Ozone, one of the lesser known in terms of chart hits, but nevertheless superior funk bands of the early 1980s. Yes. In addition to releasing five albums from 1980 to 1983, the band worked with stars like Billy Preston, Sarita, Bobby Nunn, and especially Tina Marie. Ozone's most successful chart hits were Gigolette and Struck My Thing, but the band also played on nunn's funky smash, She's Just a Grippy. As the years have gone by, funk aficionados have become more dialed in to Ozone's strong recorded legacy. And the great news is that is being revived with the recently released Ozone album called Return of the Jam I'm here to report that it's funky with a capital F. <laughs> Glenn also released a solo album, Fears Back. We'll discuss all of that and more. Charles, welcome and how are you?
1: Hey, I'm hey. doing good, Scott. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for joining the show.
1: Man, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Where are you coming to us from today?
1: Uh, I'm in beautiful California, uh, in Rancho Cucamonga, California, out in the east, eastern part of uh, L.A. or whatever, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you been there for long? Or?
1: Uh, yes, I've been out here for... Uh, I also own a studio, my studio is in Rancho, too, and uh, I've been out here for about 15, no, shoot, 18 years or so, yeah.
0: All right, yeah, so I moved from the west side in 2006, but I was, my whole life was out there in Southern California, so. All
1: right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: but Rancho Cucamonga is is famous because everyone will say, you know, like it's out in the middle of nowhere.
1: That's right. And and Ice Cube made it famous, too, with the movie.
0: There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Well, again, thank you for joining me. Been a fan for a long time, and it's great to finally get your story on the show. Thank you. Um, So, where are you from originally, Charles? And how did you first get into music?
1: Uh, I'm originally from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Country boy. Uh, (laughs) Grew up uh, in the country in in Nashville, went to uh, attended uh, Maplewood High School. I was, you know, athlete, played on the football team and baseball player and stuff like that. And uh, I I was blessed and got to play in the uh, Little League World Series, which I see on ESPN now. It's like a really big thing. And back when we did it, when I got to do it, uh, you know, there was no TV coverage. It was just a trip out of town, a free trip to Florida with some my best my best friends that I had hung out with all season. And, you know, we got to go do that and have fun. It was a way to get away from home. And, and we, all our parents used to support us and stuff. So uh, I, I got lucky and got to do that when I was growing up. And. And I started this music thing, and it all took off in a whole other direction.
0: <laughs> were, were you more stick or more glove in baseball?
1: I was, uh, uh, I was actually a catcher, so I was a brains. Okay. And uh, I was fast, so I was a bass stealer.
0: So if I, got on fir-
1: if I got on first, nine times out of 10, I was going to score. Yeah. <laughs> I could even steal home on the kid, you know, because Little League is a little weird, and and a lot of pitches are bad, and, you know. <laughs> and I would take full advantage of that, so.
0: <laughs> so when you got pulled to music, what did you start in with? Did you start writing with bass or with something else?
1: Well, no, I actually, uh, I started... Playing uh, guitar, my my best friend uh, Preston Brown. He we were uh, growing up. He got a guitar for a Christmas present, and through that whole year, I was so blown away with there was an instrument in front of me. Um, well, every time I go to his house, I would pick his instrument up, but I would never really play guitar on it. I just play on the four bass strings mm-hmm. because my whole Thought process was well. He has a guitar. If I can really figure out this bass thing, next Christmas I can talk to my mom into getting me a bass. We can have a band, and uh, that's exactly what happened. I I, I, I plucked on it enough. Uh, throughout the year to have at least made my mom feel like I was serious enough for her to go out and spend money, you know, on an instrument. And growing up when I was coming up you know, just go get me a bass just because I wanted to play bass or, you know, I wanted to play today and don't want to play tomorrow. They didn't, they didn't spend money like that. So, so they saw that I was kind of serious about the music thing. And I was a pretty decent drummer. I didn't play drums. I didn't call myself a drummer, but I could play drums really good. Uh, there was a story when I was about five or six years old, my mom uh, lost me in a Kmart. Uh, not that she was a bad mom. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. I snuck off in the Kmart. I saw a set of drums. And uh, I, she kept on walking around. You know how women, when they shop, uh, they kind of really get into it. And I saw her really into it. So I saw my chance to sneak away, which I did. And I went over to the drums. And when she was looking for me, she saw a crowd of people she always tells the story she saw a crowd of people and uh it's really funny because she got really worried oh no that my son what happened and she said i go I'll go over there and you're just killing these drums she said and all this crowd is sitting around going wow look at this little kid play drums right so I always kind of had a thing for attention and all of this kind of thing you know and so I and and I uh when I was in fifth uh, Third grade I uh, played trumpet, I grew up playing trumpet. you know uh, piano was a major thing in my house hold. You had to play piano uh, for several reasons. you're not just going to run around and play all day you know you got and it help with math, you know and uh, it's just it was just a thing in my house that you had to learn to play piano so uh uh, music was kind of already in me, but something about the when I figured out I picked up the bass, it was it was something that was natural. I taught myself.
0: It sounds like you missed out on some limelight opportunities. You didn't get the ESPN Little League, and that Kmart thing would have been a YouTube video for sure.
1: Yes, it would have been a total YouTube video. Yes. So <laughs> I've missed a lot of major opportunities of, of, of huge success, right? <laughs> I just keep missing it. But you know what? That's why I keep doing it because my time is still here and it's still going to come and uh, in, a, in a huge way. And uh, uh, I remember when we finished uh, the new record uh, that you mentioned, uh, my first thought was, wow, we still got a shot at this, because this is like, this is still really good. You know, it's not uh, it's not dated. You know, a lot of times uh, guys like ourselves can do music and we can easily, as soon as we play it, we get the, ah, that's that old music, you know? <laughs> And I'm not getting that on this project, and that's that's really a, a wonderful thing. Even when I play it for, you know, I got a lot of hip hop kids that come here, a lot of rappers and stuff that rap here, and 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 I'll come, they'll come in while I'm working on it or something like, or working on a project or just listening to music, and they'll, be, hey King, what's that? You know, what's that, Charles? And I'll say. Uh, uh, you know, that's some old zone stuff. And the first thing they say is, oh my God, man, see our stuff don't sound like that, man. I don't know. How you... Oh my god, that's way. And they always say, I really wish I could rap to something that has this sound. Yeah. So, you know, the only reason I think a lot of it doesn't get uh, uh, e- exposed as a sound is still a sound that of today is because no one's doing it. Only because nobody's doing it. And I know a story. Uh, uh, somebody mentioned uh, Earth, Wind & Fire was doing, a, getting ready to do a new project with Jimmy Jam and Terry. And uh, one of the things they mentioned to Jimmy Jam and Terry is, hey, look, make sure that, you know, when we do this project, you know, you we want to make sure we sound like today. You know, we want to do today's thing. You know, we don't want to be old school and, and 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 Jimmy Jam looked at those looked at those guys and were like what do you mean dude y'all are mu y'all are the music this is what everybody's trying to be what you guys are your best the best thing to me even me personally the best thing to me is be the best version of what we already are because what we already are is what uh uh, uh music is still still ripping from right now to create the the no sound which i love you know i love the, the the way music is going the format that it is uh uh the the when people take a sample and 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 make another song out of uh a really great eight bar piece of a music that some songs that people have never even heard of of some of our albums you know those guys are getting real clever with it. they're going they're not just taking the hit now they actually are listening to that song seven and song eight that's on the album that you know was really good songs even then even though you know record companies barely put out eight songs on an album from you know from one group you know every song on the album uh didn't too many groups get that opportunity Uh, uh, so who can Heat wave got that opportunity? <laughs> uh, a couple of others but you know a lot of times you know you get a couple of singles off your record and we on to album two. You remember we had five albums in three years.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: which is at Omotown which is kind of almost unheard of a little bit too by the way. So we were doing something right also.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to get it deeper. We're gonna talk more about each one of those
1: uh, in a moment. Good
0: and the new one, and I totally agree with what you're getting. now. we'll get more into that too. Um, as far as that authenticity goes, yes. You know? Um, but how did you become involved professionally with music?
1: Um, blessed again. Uh, uh, I my first real professional experience was uh when I was 12 years old. Uh, I was in a band. We were called Deliverance. Now, the really uh, great part about that band, we my, the drummer was 10 and a half going on 11. I was 12 going on 13. Uh, the guy that really uh, was the focal point of the group, and he's the one that pretty much organized it, he was 15 he was he was actually 14 and he was had just turned 15 so he was the old guy right and uh he was the guitarist his name was john green he's passed away john you know love you john um but we had this group we were called deliverance but the drummer's dad was um Bob Riley, and Bob Riley was a uh, manager. He was the manager for the Manhattans, the group the Manhattans, and so he was already a Capitol Records guy, and you know, he had connections in the business and stuff like that, so uh, he was able to get us, get get us, you know, performances, and we got to open for the Manhattans, so that was one of the Things at the Municipal Auditorium. That was a big thing, to be 12 years old in Nashville and get to play in the Municipal
0: about, Auditorium. About what year might have been?
1: That would have been, oh, God. uh I would have to say 70, maybe like one or 70, you know, something like 70, 68, 70, 69 or something. But man, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how old I am now. <laughs> uh, but it was like early '70s, like when we first started. '72.
0: You were in Nashville. Did did you have that country influence at all? Because yes,
1: I actually uh, uh, I credit a lot of my thump bass stuff that I do because, like I said, I taught myself, and I taught myself by watching a lot of guys. And uh, Roy Clark had me glued to the TV. Every time he would pick up a banjo, it was the best ever. (laughs) People don't know funk until they listen to Roy Clark. You can call it country, but Roy (laughs) Clark is playing some of the funkiest licks you ever want to hear. If you if you break that down and listen to it as what I said it was, funk, if you listen to it, you'll say, wow, <laughs> that's pretty funky. Matter of fact, since sampling is so popular right now, I think I might sample a Roy Clark groove and, and, and put, you just, you just put me on to something there,
0: Scott. <laughs> well, I think, I've always thought that bluegrass with banjo was a little funkier than country itself. But yes. yeah, that, some of that mountain-y kind of stuff actually has some of that rhythm.
1: So yeah. I was a big Hee Haw fan. Hee Haw was uh, uh, a show that we grew up watching. It was kind of our comedy hour, you know. If you wanted to get your laugh on it, I'm a big comedy guy. I'm into, uh, uh, matter of fact, in my car, I only listen to comedy. I don't listen to music uh, at all. I'll, I might check out a song or something like that just to see if you sound right in the speakers, but I actually do not listen to uh, no music in my car, comedy only, 24-7.
0: Well, and I don't know if that is purely your influence, but some of that quirkiness definitely flows through the ozone too.
1: Yes, that's yeah. a, Yep, a, a lot of that is definitely me with the little Susie and uh, <laughs> go put your glass. You know the glasses thing. Now the glasses concept that was very interesting because uh, we actually started the whole glasses concept when we were doing Little Susie. If you if you really uh, think back, because when we did Little Susie, uh, 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 we got to uh, perform it on Soul Train. And when we did it on Soul Train, we actually had on the ozone glasses. And uh, the whole concept of that was that we were going to go into a thing where you would never see our eyes. We didn't want people to see our eyes, right? It was going to be a mystery. And uh, the guitar player, he killed that mystery on Soul Train because (laughs) we had this dance step that we did, and he just kept doing it hard and doing it hard because I think he felt like people don't know who I am. (laughs) So his glasses fall off and hit the floor, and I was like, okay, well, that's that's the end of that. So, (laughs) But uh, we did uh, do the glasses thing, and and a lot of that uh, glasses, you know, it was a lot of real... Comedy and that stuff that we were doing.
0: Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So you're a teenager. You're gonna yes. play with some pros.
1: And yes.
0: Uh, and quite an experience. I'm a
1: kid making hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, you know, stuff like that. Is kind of unheard of a little
0: bit. Yeah, that beats a, a paper route or a
1: fast. Yes. <laughs> cutting grass. Matter <laughs> of fact, <I> <laughs> cutting the grass. My friends, because. You know, when I was 15, I got to have the car and stuff like that. So my, my friends would all come over and hang with me. And, uh, you know, I always had money to, you know, I'd pay for everything all the time. And and they would, my dad would still give me chores. Hey, You know, my, the grass got to be cut this week. And my friend was like, hey, man, look, I'll take care of the grass. He's going to wash the car. So when we go cruising, the car be clean. And I'd just be sitting up in the room. I'd just be sitting up in the room and everybody would be just doing everything. It was crazy. I wasn't like, uh, you know, I wasn't pushing. That was just people being my friends, you know. They were true and they are, you know what, they were true friends because they are still my friends today and they tell me the stories. Remember how we used to take care of you? Remember how we used to, you know, I wish somebody would mess with you. We had your back and they wouldn't let me They wouldn't let me get into any trouble. They wouldn't let me go when they was going to do the fun thing, you know what I mean? Let's go have some fun, you know. Uh, Let's go, you know. Fun was knocking down a mailbox or, (laughs) or, you know, let's go do something, you know, kid stuff, teenage stuff, you know. They would say, let's go do it. And we'd all get in the car, even when I would not be driving. I'd get in the car with them. And I would notice the direction that we were going in would always be a weird direction. And I would say, well, this is not the direction to where you said we were going. And then uh, another block later, I said, oh, they're taking me home. And they would take me home, drop me off. And they would always say, you're the one that's going to make it out of us. So we're not going to be the ones that's going to mess that up for you. Right, mm-hmm. so they protected me like that. That was, uh, and and we talk about it still to this day. I mean, my friend Marcus Smith and these guys, and they they call me out, Dale Robinson. These guys, they call me all the time. I remember when we used to, and we wouldn't let you do this, and we used to take care of you and all, and and it was really was, uh, that was a good thing.
0: Did so you did you potential. appreciate that at the time, or did
1: you? Feel- yes, I actually did. It, it, I, I appreciated it at the time. I didn't feel like it wasn't a cocky thing, and oh, these guys—I can use these guys. No, I, it was the most humbling experience ever. It really was, because what, I felt the real. It was real love. It was true love with those guys as
0: what, what 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 kind of repertoire did Deliverance have? What kind of tunes were you playing?
1: Oh uh, shoot, we were playing. Uh, shoot, man, we would come out and uh, hit like. Slippery when it's wet by the Commodores, and, and then we would do uh, 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 Love Won't Let Me Wait, uh, uh, Major Harris, uh, we would do uh, uh, Funkadelic, uh, uh, Call My Baby Pussy, we would uh, <laughs> uh Loose Booty. I oh, I got a man, I got a park concert story that's just was that's really a great story. Um deliverance. At this now I'm thir- I'm thirteen. we've been together a couple of years or so. We've I've gotten really good popular now in the in the Nashville, it's easy to kind of easy to be popular, you know, when you do all the major clubs and stuff. And we were able to do clubs at eleven, twelve, thirteen years old because of Mr. Rowley, because of Bob Rowley being like a parent that was, you know, guidance. So they would let us in, couldn't drink, couldn't hang out in there, but we could go in and perform. You know, uh, I think the Jackson Five did that too when they were coming up. But uh, uh, we were able to do that. And uh, so we were pretty popular. There was another group in Nashville. They were called uh, North Soul. Okay. And North Soul was uh, really popular in Nashville because they were a family group. The Prestons. So they were brothers. So they were really kind of like the Jacksons, right, because they were family. and they had their own bus that across the whole side of it said, North Soul. So anywhere they went in Nashville, if it was just to get something to eat, they'd get on that bus. That bus was driving through the city. That was a big, big deal. Partridge family was very big at that time, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so a group with a bus, that was, they were the Partridge family of Nashville, right? The black Partridge family of Nashville. There's, Too much to deal with, right? So uh, there was going to be a park concert, and they were going to have the Battle of the Bands, and we were the two bands to battle because we were the most popular. They were popular because they had the big bus. Everybody knew about them, and they were really good. And the bass player, his name was Jerome Preston. He was Michael Jackson that played bass. He sang like him. He danced like him. He could... James Brown, he could do the split. Oh, he was, oh, most beautiful bass playing and singing and dancing you ever want to watch. And so that was my competition growing up. I always said, I'm going to be better than him. I'm not, I do sing, but I'm not a singer, really, right? <laughs> he was a singer that played bass, a right. bass player that sings. Even though he would probably be mad at me for saying that, because he's a really, really good bass player, and but I did do a lot of stuff that I want. I was in competition. He was my competition, so I had to at least do everything that he did to a certain degree. And because I knew my vocal wasn't going to be anything that he was doing, I did. Other stuff on bass that I knew he wasn't going to be able to do. Right? That's that's how I had to take it. Anyway, we had this battle of the band concert. Uh, We had to figure out a way. How are we going to top this bus? These guys have a bus. That forget the music. It's about the bus. We have to beat this bus. So what we did, we we put the show together, and. We sat in a room. We came up with an idea. The guitar player, now he's 18. He's married now. His wife is a seamstress and makes clothes. She designs clothes. So she gets in and says, I tell you what, I'll make you guys these outfits. Oh, so she makes us these colorful outfits that were so colorful. Uh, man, if we, if we wore these outfits now, we'd be clowns. But, uh, but the, the most brightest color outfit. So that was going to be the one up. And then maybe about four days before the concert, guitar player comes in and says, man, my friend's dad owns a funeral home. He has a limo, but not the funeral limo. He's got the good limo, right? And he said we could use it, right? And we said we used the limo. So we decided to go in a limo, and that was going to be our way to top this bus. Now, a limo in 1972 riding in Nashville was, unless it was coming from a meet or somewhere, right, was unheard of. Limos didn't ride through Nashville. But we did. <laughs> We had this limo. We were on our way to the concert on the day of the concert. We get to the street uh, that's probably about maybe two miles from the concert. Two motorcycle cops are sitting on the side of the road to do their, you know, write people tickets for speeding. They see us. They pull up beside us. Dude rolls down the window, driver. Rolls down the window. The police say, Where you got? Where you? Who is in the car? He says, I got a band in here. We're on our way to the park, to the Hadley Park. The park was called Hadley Park. We were on our way to Hadley Park. Uh, they have a concert. Police says, Follow us. Yeah. Oh my God. They turn on the sirens. Now we're getting a police escort to Hadley Park. <laughs> Ah, man, it must have been maybe 2,000 people out there. We couldn't hardly get through the park. They drove us through the crowd all the way to the stage. Concert was over. I don't have to say no more. <laughs> then we hit the stage. This was our one-up. Remember, we had an 18-year-old in the group at that point, right? So now we got a grown-up in our group. We can do Booty, Call My Baby, Pussy, right? We could do these songs because we had the older guy. North Soul couldn't do those songs. They were still ABC, I Want You Back group, right? <laughs> Boy, when we hit that Funkadelic, it was, we did Loose Booty. When we hit Loose Booty, it was all over. Show was over. (laughs) (laughs) Loose booty. Man, when we hit that, "Ah," it was over. 15 minutes, 20 minutes straight. Done. Nice. North (laughs) Soul sent him home crying. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's really great about that story? I was telling a partner of mine, I was sitting here in the studio one day telling that story, and I got a message from Messenger to, from a friend request, and it was bass player Jerome Preston, and I messaged him, we got on Face to FaceTime, right? And my friend was there. I said, hey, tell him about Hadley Park. And I backed up like that. (laughs) He said, man, don't do that to me. (laughs) And he told my partner. My partner was like, that's exactly the way he told it. I said, did I make you cry? He said, yeah, you got me. (laughs) Wow. He, He was bad with that Jackson 5, man. He was Michael Jackson with a bass. He was Michael Jackson with a bass. It was amazing to watch.
0: Kind of like a combination of Michael and Jermaine.
1: Yes, it was a Michael-Jermaine combination. Yes, it was. <laughs> I love Jermaine, too.
0: So, yeah. that's a great story, uh, Charles. Um, I can only imagine. <laughs> you guys must have been on a high for quite a
1: while after that. Oh, uh, the, the, the when the police guy was... Because we all thinking, oh, God, we're getting pulled over. You know, we're in a car, we're getting pulled over by the police. Now what? It's yeah. gonna mess up everything. That's like, they I have a, like yeah. They were like, follow oh. us. we were like, yeah. what? Follow you? Woo! Woo! Man, it was crazy. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it.
0: So, when and how did ozone
1: form? Ozone form? Well, you know, there was a group before ozone that uh, that I I actually came to California. Uh that group was called the Endeavors. Now the Endeavors were uh five steps above deliverance in North Seoul. They were the group that was the hometown Nashville group, but they had had the local record out. Uh they were very popular. They were probably gigging Five times a week, they're performing five times a week, if not seven. Somewhere, Alabama, Mississippi, North Carolina, you know, just on the road, totally. And they were a hot group. Uh, I'm not sure about the name. They had a song out. I'm not sure about it. The bass player was the lead singer for the group. His name was Little Little Mike. And uh the group was coming home from uh one of the shows, and they owned it they was another group that had their own Winnebago, and you know that was a big deal to have your own transportation. and they had their own winnebago they were only went home from a show. A uh, little Mike the bass player they he never drove the bus ever and and one day he really complained you guys don't ever let me drive you guys don't ever let me drive and they let him drive he fell asleep they crashed the bus It, it, it exploded caught on fire uh three of the guys uh i think two died but one really got hurt really bad couple got burned really bad and uh he was one of the guys that died uh at the time that that happened at the time that that happened, the percussionist Bruce, he was dating the my neighbor, and I would see him across across the street. Now, mind you, I was way too young to be in that group. I was fifteen. There was no chance of being in that group. They go, <laughs> they, they're going to North Carolina tomorrow night, and they will come back the next morning, right? But, but they. Yeah, just I'm, I'm in high school. I can't do this, but I felt like I could. <laughs> I'm like I, playing wise. Well, when it, it, you know, as sad as I was to hear that come off the radio, uh, little Mike has just been killed in a bus accident. The endeavors and they explained it the very, fr- I mean, snapshot. Oh, god, they're gonna need a bass player. Now, I'm 15 but I still felt that. Oh my God, they're gonna need a bass player. That's, that's the first thing that hit my mind. It really did. Oh my God, they're gonna need a bass player. So then when a week, couple of weeks went by and I saw the Congress the player across the street, I went over and asked him, hey man, you guys are gonna still be together. I'm sorry about the accident. This was terrible, whatever. And he said, well, they kind of considering keeping it going it's very depressing time right now, but they were really booked up. They had a lot of shows, to, you know, the stuff still left to do. So they were going to put the group back together, but what they did is they had a friend uh, uh, in Cincinnati. They called him up. He was a guitarist, and, but he was the lead singer. They were more concerned about the lead singing than any of the music base or any of that, and so they went and got him. His name is Benny Wallace. Who actually, ended up in Ozone because and I, I'll i get to that. But they went and got Benny Wallace to play to switch over from guitar, play a little bass. But we really need him to sing. Uh, and and they did start back working with Benny, so so Benny's in the band. I uh I go over to uh Bruce Bruce, Bruce was his name, the percussionist, and I say, Bruce, you guys. Still gonna, you know, do a be a band and you know, because you guys are the hottest band in Nashville. He said, Oh, yeah, well, we're definitely still gonna do it. I said, Man, you should get me to play bass. He says, Man, you're 15. <laughs> he looked right at me. He said, Man, you're 15. I said, I know, but I'm telling you, I could do it like that. He's like, Man, dude, you're 15. We travel, that's all we do, you know. I said, Dude. I can do it man i'm telling you let me he said man there's no way man so i go back like a little kid back across the street i see him again on another day bruce i can do it man i'm telling you i'm good enough to play with you guys he said man you're 15. i said dude get me please give me a shot he actually goes and asks those guys look i know a guy that lives across the street from my girlfriend and he's 15 years old but he wants to come in audition or whatever y'all want to check him out and they said uh ah, whatever bring him by what do we got to lose best audition in the world <laughs> i went i went over there and i just let him have it and i ended up in that band because i i told him i said my mama let me do it telling you if 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 i can get in the band my mother will let me do this i didn't really know that for sure <laughs> i'm working all i'm working all ends here i'm telling them mama let me do it and i'm thinking if i can get in it then i can tell mom mom they they let me in the group right so that's I, I kind of was doing that like that and it all worked out. I ended up in the group. My mom had only one stipulation. She said, as long as your grades don't go down and you miss no school, if y'all can, if y'all can figure out a way to get him back here to school, I'm all in. And they did it. And that was like my 11th and 12th grade year. And the 12th, the year that I was a senior in high school, they, uh, they moved uh, to, they were moved, they were going to move to California because now we're getting ready to go do the thing for real. Ah, we're going to move and shake it now. And uh, so the day after I graduated, I came out here, I joined the band. They'd already got, I came out here and got established and, uh, and, and. Yeah, you know, booked I uh, booked some clubs and stuff. And we started playing around. What they discovered, mind you, all of those guys were already thirty, thirty-five. One was already forty. I'm fifteen. I actually, I'm now. By the time we went to L.A., I'm sixteen. Not seventeen yet. I got the late birthday, so I'm sixteen years old. Playing with thirty-year-olds and one uh, one forty-plus, and so they didn't see it as as profitable as it was in Nashville, because remember when we were in Nashville, we were working every seven times a week sometimes. Come out here, maybe one gig that week, maybe two. Uh, the money we were making, where everybody was making three, four hundred dollars a, a night a piece and stuff like that, unheard of here. They laughed at us talking about that kind of money. <laughs> give you 50 give you 50 dollars <laughs> you just playing in the club what do you expect right so that woke up the endeavors the older guys because they had family they had kids and you know, I, can't, I can't take care of my family off this. so we loaded up the truck moved back to Nashville well not me I, I going back to Nashville was the worst move ever for me, because I had built this up to, hey, I'm, get, I'm going to make it. This is my shot. I'm going to make it. Well, got back to Nashville, couldn't take it. I immediately got with Benny, said, Benny, we have to go back to Nashville. He said, I totally agree. (laughs) And so we went around to the clubs in Nashville. I went and got the best horn section from this band. I knew it that had horns. I went and got this guy that I knew really could sing, which was Billy White. He had this high voice and he could sing the best version of Gloria I've ever heard. And uh, and then I went and got uh, uh, the drummer uh, was Paul Hines which, well, I went and got John Green, which was the Deliverance the Deliverance oldest guy, right, the guitar player I got him, he had just did a gig with Paul, the drummer, he said, man, I just did this gig with this guy, he's kind of a jazz drummer but he was really good, but he seemed like a cool guy, he's from Indiana and and we asked him he was in, just in between places, and uh, we formed a group and took us about three days to find all the guys. And then after we found all the guys, we had to put some money together because our immediate move was to come to California. Not to, do, not to play in Nashville for a bunch of time and then, hey, let's go to California. No, this band was put together to get in a bus or get in a U-Haul and go to California. So we had to raise the money to go to California. We put one show together at a club, had it advertised on the radio. We promoted the whole thing. It rained like there's no tomorrow on that particular day that we put that show together. So we just knew that that show was going to be a disaster. So we wrote it off. We was just hanging out in the dressing room. We come out of the dressing room. The club is packed, beyond, packed, beyond, packed. It was more people in that club than they ever had in that club. They bought that. That we, that the horn players from this group that used to play at this club, and the so and so from this group, and the bass player from the Endeavors, and they bought that advertisement on the radio and they came to see this.
0: Like an all star.
1: It was a, all, the all-star band we had put together. It was enough money that one show for us to go to California. The Three days later, we got to U-Haul, loaded up the truck. We was on our way out here. Now, mind you, we did have a lead out here because uh, Skip Starkey, who ended up being Ozone's manager, was the guy that was working with the Endeavors trying to help us get you know stuff going. So I did know Skip. And Skip was very fond of me because I was the young guy and the action guy. And, you know, uh, so so when I did call Skip and say, hey, I'm going to put a band together. I'm coming right back. I have to. This is crazy. I can't believe I, you know, I can't believe I left. And so we did put the group together, went back to California, got with Skip and we started, you know, trying to do, do stuff that was that was great. We ended up playing at a club out here Um uh, called Century 3000, and that was, you know, I'll wait till you get to that, to us getting to California, but we came out here and that was, it. That, was, that was it, we was kicking.
0: Well, and so when and how did you
1: arrive on the name Ozone? How did we, uh, well, we wasn't Ozone, we were called Blaze. We came, we drove from Nashville to LA as Blaze. We had a seamstress make us outfits, had all this fire on it and stuff, right? Because Blaze, right? Fire. And, you know, we we were blazing. What happened is when we first got to, we came up with the name of the group Blaze. When we first got together, the very first rehearsal, we said, okay, what's a song that everybody knows that we could play just to get loose, you know what I mean, and not just sound horrible on the very first thing we play together. Well, everybody said, well, I know uh, I think I suggested why don't we do uh, Funky Stuff by Parliament, right? Guy says, everybody goes, oh, yeah, I know that, I know that, horn players. Oh, yeah, they start, you know, look, you know how horn players do, they turn around. And wait, wait, you Funky
0: uh-huh. Stuff by cool in the game?
1: No, no, no. uh, 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 Parliaments, uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know, sometimes, you know. oh, yeah, I... do that stuff, uh, no more of the funky
0: stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, do that stuff, yes, do that
0: stuff. That's it,
1: yeah, do that stuff. uh do that stuff, exactly, yeah. yes. We were doing do that stuff. And when we finished, when we ended, and we all knew the Parliament Live version, too. So we even ended. Ba-ba-ba, right? And we just looked around the room like, whoo! Oh, my God! It it was on fire. I mean, it was on fire! We knew that was going to work. We knew that that was it. Just the, the one song. We didn't have to we didn't have to play nothing else. That was that, that one song said that said this is gonna work.
0: No rehearsal,
1: never had played together, and we counted it off. Drummers, and as so we came in, scat, scat up but horns, I was like, whoa, I mean, it was on, it was on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I knew that was going places. And it did. Went straight to California and got right with Motel.
0: (laughs) And so, but the Ozone name again came from? Blaze.
1: We got out here, realized that Blaze couldn't be called Blaze because somebody was already called Blaze. And we had to change it had spent thousands of dollars on outfits that had fire in them. What what goes with fire? Well, ozone don't really go with fire, but <laughs> but it's the closest word we could come up with. You know, the, the ozone protected the uh, 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 you know uh, the ozone layer and all this you know the whole thing. Right? Went to the dictionary and we could come up with nothing else besides ozone that would have something to do with some heat or some, some ultraviolet rays or some, you know something that had something to do with hot yeah
0: well <laughs> space uh, was real big then and
1: yeah and space was real big then yes
0: yeah and uh, Parliament we talked about the zone of zero functivity so this yes. was the zone of supreme functivity yes, ozone.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, yeah that's how that, that's how that ended up being ozone we had no choice. We wanted to be blaze. You always say I'm lying. I don't know why you think I'm trying. Talking all that trash. Talking all that. Roo, 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 roo. Hit me with it. TJ, turn it up. Talking all that celebrity TMZ trash talk. Listen to me.
0: You think you're up? when you're really down trying to figure out just how you really feel you see that life has given you a chance
1: even in romance to do what you really feel